staring. We're ha- we're having we're having the most human moment that we could possibly have while surrounded by microphones and monitors, equipment and technology <laughs> projecting onto the internet. And there's a human in the peanut gallery over there. Yeah, hey, you know, makes real some- <laughs> real human boyfriend. <laughs> um, let's uh hold off on our cheers and let's do it. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Cheers. Cheers. Kelly Phillips in the house. Last minute guest. Yes. Very replacing impromptu. someone that decided they were too good to show up. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Things happen. People can't make it. It's not a big deal. And I'll tell you what, if you can't compromise and improvise, you're not going to get anything in life done. It doesn't matter what it is. It's true. Would you agree? I would agree. And you know, For those of you that don't know Kelly, she is a fellow podcast host. Cheers. Shout outs to the, do you say tapestry or tapestry? Tapestry. Usually I've heard it either way. It's like a tomato, tomato thing. I I guess I should go on record. Yeah. North Versailles. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That sounds so weird. (laughs) North Versailles. That's, that's how the, uh, Pat buses say it. If you're ever catching a bus, it goes North Versailles. I'm like, this bus is fucking fancy. This bus is not from Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We, uh, starting a petition right now for the port authority to yinzerize their uh, grammar on the public transportation. Get out of the bus. You're north for sales. (laughs) Get out. We don't want you in here. Yeah. There you go. So here we are. We're drinking some beers. Cheers. Did we, we already this cheers. This is the third cheers, but I mean, I'm excited about it. We're, you know. Three cheers. Three cheers for beers. And Hell. honestly, though, thank you for having me on last minute because I sort of hoped it didn't come across as like, oh, now's my chance. But I'm like, oh, maybe someday I'll be on Sykes' podcast. Well, no, you and- were somebody, you were already on a list of people that I wanted to get on the show anyways. Wonderful. So you now, are- now you don't have to reach out to me. Yeah, no. <laughs> we met just this past year. Mm-hmm. You are a pretty active uh, supporter and participant in the local music scene and beyond. I know mm-hmm. that you you do play music, but you don't play in any bands right now, right? Correct. Yeah. I know you play drums and you do vocals. Do you do any other instruments? Um, I do presently. Those are kind of my main two, but I grew up playing. I've at one point played like six different instruments. Okay. I was like a big band geek. Big what was the first instrument? Saxophone was what I started on. And then I think 11th grade, I, they had a, they had a role to fill with low brass. And uh, I was like, <laughs> yeah, the trombone sounds pretty cool. So, so back in those days when you were, you know, in band and stuff like that, what was the music, your musical intake like outside of that? It was uh it was real weird actually. So I grew up on a steady diet of, um, jazz and country and a little bit of like classical symphonic stuff. Cause when you're, you know, most, most people, at least around here, you start playing your instrument in like third grade. That's when I started saxophone. And then I just got really into the, the wind symphonic stuff. Like, you know, what you would go hear at a concert hall, that sort of thing. But I had a babysitter up until I was like seven or eight who 
only listen to country. So I only listened to country for a very long time. But then my parents loved jazz. And because that's kind of why I wanted to play sax. I was like, "Eh, you know. Did your parents play any instruments? Were they just appreciators? (laughs) My mom was first chair flute at North Allegheny (laughs) High School in uh, 1970 something. Yeah. (laughs) No. My my mom... Three cheers for my mom. No, my, my mom was the more musical person. My dad has always been a music appreciator, I think. Cool. But uh, he, I don't I don't think he played anything. And then you said, you know, around here when you were talking about people playing music, did you grow up around Pittsburgh? Yeah, I grew up in the South Hills. I went to Baldwin and I've lived in like three different parts of the city. I mean, I, the only time I haven't lived in Pittsburgh is when I went to college in Ohio. So I had that period of you move away and you're like, oh, Pittsburgh sucks. I hate this place. And then you come back and I'm like, I love it here. Sure. Like you have to, you have to go away from it to appreciate it for a little bit. Yeah. I, I think that Pittsburgh has pretty much anything that most other places have, mm-hmm. but like less complicated versions of it. So Which I just said that to Eugene. I, I'm pointing off camera, but my boyfriend's over a hump over there. He's waving. You just can't see him. He's in a, he's in the peanut gallery. We were at Deutschtown this, this weekend. And, um, I just mentioned that I, much prefer a city like Indianapolis or Cleveland or Pittsburgh where you get all the big, big world amenities, but it's just not quite so frustrating to do it. Yeah. It's, it's like a little tiny wrapped up package. Uh, you know, I was in Toronto in May and I didn't have like the best experience there, but oh, I think really? it was because I was so in the middle of the city that it's just like Pittsburgh is a city, but it's almost more like a suburb blown up to city scale. You know, it's just not, other aside from the driving, it's not as frustrating as going into a giant city where you just feel like you just feel like a cockroach in the wall. You're just like, oh, my God, there's so much stuff here. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I think that, you know, the one I've never been bitten by the wanderlust bug. And I'm pretty Same. thankful for that. I think that I think that there's a point in life whenever you need to accept that it's totally OK that you have what you have. Right. And if you're not happy with what you have make the changes to get to it. You know, it's right. like I, a couple years ago, I got to this point where it's like, wow, like, you know, I have a partner that I care about a lot and we have a cool house together and I have a job that I like and right. all my friends, I'm in a metal band with my best friends. Like what should I still be trying to chase at this point? Exactly. You know, I yep. might not be like, you know, this huge crazy national artist or super famous podcast guy or whatever, <laughs> but like I have, my circle and it's really stable and a lot of people don't have that. So you shouldn't take what you have for granted. And that's what I'm going through right now. Cause I see guys like you going out and doing stuff in the Pittsburgh music scene. And even just in this past like six or seven months, I've started to feel that like, Oh, like I'm, I said this when I was actually on like shout out to Danny and Zach from the working stiffs podcast. They had me on and I mentioned this exact thing. It was like, I'm not, I'm not intending to become a somebody but I'm a little somebody right now. And it's like, it feels nice to be in a place where you can be a little somebody and kind of be like a small medium fish in a small medium pond. I don't want to be a big fish in a big pond. I'd much prefer to have the little stable crew of people and the nice experiences you can rely on instead of constantly like chasing this. Okay. Well, I got the good job and well now I need to get a Mercedes. Yeah. I think it's a, there's a thing in society now where people unfortunately seem to neglect taking time to appreciate what they have. As soon as they get something that they want, it's like, well, move on to the next yeah, thing. Yeah, gotta get more. And then they don't even take the time to appreciate what they have. It's a, I came to this 
realization when thinking about my record collection <laughs> and the way a few years ago I was consuming vinyl. Yeah. I was buying more records than I had time to listen to, but it was, I was like, I got to buy more. I got to buy more, but I don't actually ever take the time to sit down and listen to them and really enjoy them. Yeah. It's like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why do you fill your life with it? If you can't, even? but like there's people that just do that with every aspect of their life. They just keep buying metaphorical records and mm-hmm. never taking the time to metaphorically listen to those things. Yeah. That's a good way to put it's it. It's really sad. <laughs> Did you eventually get to listen to most of your records? I still have some that I haven't listened to, but I've definitely cut back on <laughs> buying records. We were at the government center yeah. at Deutschtown yesterday. I'm personally not a record collector. I just know my personality. I will never be a, a record collector. I can appreciate it. I think it's so cool that it's making a comeback, but I'm just, I'm, quite frankly, I'm just an impatient person. So it's like, I know I do not have the attention span to sit and place it on my turntable and sit down and listen with good headphones. But I don't know how people afford it. Like, it's crazy to think of collectors who, you know, they're like, oh, this is my favorite band. I have to get, you know, the super speckle version and then the gold version and the limited edition pressing and the what. And I'm like, you're like 25 to $40 vinyl. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It's props I think, to you. I think that I was going to comment that given the, I know you're not strictly a metal listener, but right. I mean, as many that are watching can yeah. see, you know, you have a jacket covered in patches and, and this is an opeth shirt you're for, obviously yeah. a metal fan yes and you like a lot of you know metal from across the pond mm-hmm. so if you were to collect records for the bands that you like it's going to be a very expensive hobby for yes. you yes because you know european metal vinyl getting it imported in the states even unless, just pressing it yeah i mean yeah you know it's, talking to people it's like I've found bands where they have, they certainly have the fan base to press vinyl and it would just be financial suicide for them to do so Mm -hmm. without having to like market up at an extreme, extreme markup to their fans. It's really, really hard. I, I self released two records with Sykes and the new violence, uh, self pressed them. One I did completely out of my own pocket. And then the second one I did like a, um, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't Kickstarter. It was a pledge music. Oh, pledge okay. music. We did a pledge this. music campaign for that. And that was cool. Successful. Thanks to everybody that gave me money for my stupid dreams. <laughs> Cheers to you. Yes. But I don't think I would ever press another record again on my own. It's just, it's a lot of work. And I mean, I work for a record label, so yeah. I know how much goes into it and uh, people's attitude towards records existing and them buying them is still lopsided. Like a lot of people will be stoked that you have a record, but mm-hmm. only like 10% of those people are actually going to buy it. Right. So, right. and it's too much of an investment to make. It's one thing to say like, Hey, if I made these t-shirts, would you buy them? So you make them, you spend a few hundred bucks and then, you know, half the people actually buy the t-shirt, right. but you spend a few thousand dollars on records and a few people buy them. It's like, Oh, that's, you know, yeah, you're in the whole huge discrepancy. more. A lot more. So there's a lot of places we could take the conversation right now. And I don't want to forget about this, but you mentioned that the first instrument that you played was saxophone. Mm -hmm. And we've been talking now about, you know, how you listen to a lot of, you know, metal and abstract metal. So my Mm -hmm. question is going to be, what is your take on the new over the top saxophone in so much metal? That's funny you say that because I, (laughs) oh man, so... (laughs) Let me, I won't forget your question, but I wanted to kind of explain myself with the vest. I wanted to wear the vest sort of, I don't want to say for vain reasons, but because your platform 
reaches a lot of people in Pittsburgh. I go to so many shows and I run into people that like, I'll meet them and I recognize them, but then we might not introduce ourselves or whatever. So I was sort of in a vain way, kind of being like, maybe somebody will watch this and be like, Oh, that's that girl I see all the time. Uh (laughs) But, um, the other thing I'm sort of known for, I guess, is I am like a fiend when it comes to making Spotify playlists. I, (laughs) I design my own artwork for the covers and I have all these ridiculous categories and I love giving people music recommendations. And one of my playlists on Spotify, which I really need to change the name because it's not a surprise if you announce it, but it's called surprise saxophone. And it's just a collection. (laughs) It's a, it's a collection of songs that are all saxophone in a place you don't expect it. Like I, I'm kind of guessing you asking that question, you might be a reference to like rivers of Nile. Sure. Doing the whole sax thing with their latest album, which is fucking awesome. White ward. Um, in any of that real fusion metal stuff. The first time I remember hearing it that like where it really stuck out was um on like an old Ishan project. Oh, um Das Brocken. I don't remember the name of yeah, it. It's uh, like a, a like a white album cover maybe. Arctis is that one and then uh Aramisha I think is no Aramisha is like I yeah. know which one you're talking about. Yeah. But I remember it was the first time that I remember hearing like a prominent amount of saxophone like on like a like a avant-garde black metal project yeah. and i was like whoa this is really cool and like the saxophone is such an abrasive instrument that's always used in a very smooth way but to hear it used yeah. in like this very like like attack like urgh, like, a, like a swarm yeah. of some sort of insect yeah. just <laughs> fucking yeah. right it's really cool it's a really expressive instrument and i definitely coming from a jazz background i i definitely was led down the path of i'm gonna play saxophone because i want to play you know maynard ferguson big band stuff and you know, like Chick Corea and that sort of thing. But to finally answer your question, I'm fully on board with saxophone in metal and, or just saxophone in like weird places. Like there's a, there's a really great, um, the best I could describe them as would be the best genre I could describe them as is, um, progressive country, like progressive folk. They're called the dark red sea. They're from Seattle and they, you know, they play these straightforward, like alternative country songs, but then they just throw in these little, little sax bits, little violin bits. And it's just like, it's such a rewarding thing to listen to when you aren't expecting that instrumentation. And then it just comes out of nowhere and it's like, Ooh, okay. I dig that. It's so interesting to hear something that sounds so new and fresh played with traditional instruments. Mm -hmm. And especially in a time where I've said this before on the podcast that I think, you know, genres have kind of gone out the window and now we have two styles of music and it's like music made with computers and music made with instruments. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. You to know, put like it. it's, it's really the lines have been blurred so much, which is really cool. I'm all for experimentation. However, I really enjoy hearing stuff like, Oh wow. Like instead of this being some crazy synthesizer thing, you know, it's just saxophone on metal. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real person wailing into this instrument. Definitely got burned out really quick on like the synthesizer driven metal stuff. I'm a, I've, I fight with my boyfriend not really, but just, we, uh, we go back and forth about like, he's really into the, it needs to be sound. It, it needs to sound like it was made by a human. And I, sure. you know, he almost prefers, like, I want to hear a mistake. I want to hear something very organic. And then me, I don't know if it's just because I'm a highly sensitive person and my <laughs> ears are really sensitive, I guess. I, I don't like brick walling, but production wise, I really get myself in tune with like the very clean, very processed I don't want to say unfeeling because I need emotion in my music, but 
it has to sound like you gave a shit about it. Like you sure. didn't just go out in your backyard and I th- hit the, you know, hit the recorder and go from there. For me, there's a balance between the two, but I engage with, we'll say for example, highly produced metal albums. I almost listen to them in the same way I would listen to an electronic music album yeah. because it's almost produced in the same way. Right. If you listen to like, newer faceless and things like oh, that. Yeah, it's like, sure. this is practically computer music. Mm-hmm. Even though we played this with instruments, we put it into a computer program and processed it to the point that, you know, the it's like, you wouldn't be able to make the album sound like that without the computer. Exactly. So therefore in a way it is computer music where there are other styles of music where like, okay, so like the faceless couldn't have recorded planetary duality, you know, on an eight track. Right. You know, you couldn't have used the same stuff that the Beach Boys used to record Pet Sounds to record mm-hmm. that album. However, I you know, see them pet, try. <laughs> pet Sounds is an amazing work of production, but it's all, it sounds like a bunch of motherfuckers in a room playing music. <laughs> right. And I really like that. So I like both aspects, but I just engage with it differently. However, yeah. if I see a highly produced metal band live, and if they can't at least somewhat replicate it, really bums me out and I yep. tend to not be a fan of them. Well, I, that's, afterwards. that's, that's what happened to me when I saw Fallujah. Um, I have a Fallujah patch over here. I love Fallujah. They're my favorite technical death metal band, but, um, it sucked. <laughs> wow. I'm saying on rec, well, Fallujah sucked. They didn't, but I saw them at the Rex theater on that, uh, carnage, whatever that carnage tour. It was like white chapel revocation, all that, all those guys. I love Fallujah. And so much of their music is dependent on the immersive ambient stuff going on in the background the the female vocals and the atmospheric stuff and just yeah. those sonic layers and then when you went and saw them play it at the rex you could you could physically see them with your own eyes putting in all the work and they were they they were doing a great job but it just didn't impact me the way i i guess wanted it to because i already had the expectations set up from hearing their studio stuff like you know i'm oh i'm gonna go there and i'm just gonna get lost in this layering and stuff and then the sound at, at the rex theater is kind of hit or miss and you're standing in a big box that's made out of concrete so yeah. it's just like stuff's bouncing around and it's just another i was just like uh, another uh. issue that i have <laughs> with the rex and a lot of newer metal bands this actually happened to me the last time i saw flesh god apocalypse at cativo oh god how, we were just listening to them last night do they bring like a whole ensemble of no okay i didn't think they did yeah. i fear they backtracked a lot yeah. of it um So the issue is you have a lot of these metal bands now that are really into the digital processing of their guitar tones. They're using, you know, Axifex or Kemper. And those are great devices. Mm -hmm. But at Cativo, Flesh God Apocalypse was using their, or I don't remember what they were using, but it was some sort of like digital amp modeling. Mm -hmm. And there's no stage volume coming from the stage. So if you wanted to hear what the mix sounded like, you had to stand in the back of the room, but it's a fucking metal show. But if you're standing up front, all you can hear is the drum and vocals because there's no actual guitar sound coming out of the cabs. And it sounds thin. And then I don't have any experience with this with metal at the Rex, but I have a feeling that something that could have happened because a lot of the bands like Fallujah or Tesseract or Periphery, like all those- All these are on my All those bands- are really into that amp modeling shit. Mm -hmm. And at the Rex, their mains are like 25 feet off the ground, like hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, and they're angled and stuff too. But 
so if there's no stage volume, if everything's coming from up there, it's just going to sound hollow. Right. It sounds so weird. That's the best way to put it too. And you have all of these bands now that are like, they're playing with fancy in-ear monitors and it sounds great to them. I don't Mm -hmm. think they realize how empty it sounds to the crowd. Yeah, it can. It can. And that's, it's always a letdown. I, um, I mentioned this story to, to somebody the other day. Uh, one of my favorite bands ever is, um, minus the bear and you know, they're indie alt rock. They're not metal at all, but they really inspired a lot of, uh, a lot of my desire to pick up drums. And so they're just a very important band to me and they're no longer a band. So, um, they had their farewell tour in October of last year and they played their last show at Mr. Small. So I'm like, okay, I got, I got tickets, you know, I got to go see him one more time. And I went by myself and like the sound was okay. It was nice. But the whole time I was just like, I had my expectations set like, okay, this is going to be one last hurrah. It's going to be so joyous and fun. And then, you know, I really personally didn't connect with most of the songs they chose for their set list. It wasn't off any of the albums I liked. I was there alone. And it was also just kind of sad because you're like, oh, this is the last time I get to see them. And I... I'm so frugal. I always try to get my money's worth and I had already bought my ticket at that point. I literally left halfway through because I felt as if it was better that I left the memory of how I wanted to remember that band in my head instead of having it soiled (laughs) by a bad experience on a last show. I tapped out on minus the bear after Omni and that was even stretching it for me. I see. I like all their later albums that are like less math rock, more kind of poppy yeah. fun rock yeah like, like omni has some moments on it but i really like planet of ice because it's like an indie rock dark side of the moon yeah planet like, of ice is one of my favorite albums to play drums it, too. It, it show, especially as like it's fun because it, like, that album starts out as just like okay this is like fun mathy indie stuff but it just gets so like open and immersive as it goes which yeah. is like what i really like about that album and i like their early stuff too that's a lot more like weird mm-hmm. but i remember i saw them one time at stage ae and it just it just seemed like they had that like demeanor like we couldn't care less to be here mm. when playing. I'm trying to think if I felt that way. And and like, I've seen them twice at Mr. Small. Yeah, it's it 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 just like rubbed me the wrong way. Like they're sometimes that's all it takes to yeah. like you said. You know, oh, I'm, okay, relationship with this band has ended. Like I'm not a fan of them anymore because yeah. I just they did a thing that I didn't like, but. You got to, I guess, remember that they're human, of course, but I'm saying this like you don't go through this all the time because you're in a bunch of bands, but that's how it feels. It's almost like, yeah, I'd rather just remember it how I want to and just forget that that happened and just continue to listen to it on streaming or CD or something. It's, you know, I, I think that a lot of bands, you know, everybody has off nights. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the one thing that I'm noticing now a lot that's kind of rubbing me the wrong way with a lot of bands is, have you noticed that a lot of bands that are on that are touring, like their first, like three, one of their first three dates will be in Pittsburgh. Sometimes like their first date is here. Try to think of anybody I've seen recently. I don't think that's the case for anyone I've seen, I've but like, I've uh, just been noticing it. And it seems like, oh, we're like a tester city, like, yeah. a, like, like a, like a try it out city. It's weird though. Cause a lot of bands that I have seen like multiple times, like some of my bands I've seen actually, yeah. So next week I'll be seeing the contortionist in Indianapolis and that'll be my eighth time seeing them. Like there are some bands I'll just go see live pretty much every chance I get. And it's great when you get on this kill streak of like, okay, like every time I've seen them, they've been absolutely fantastic. They've been great with the crowd and 
track record for me, at least most bands I see love Pittsburgh. They even like go out of their way. Uh, like, like the last time I saw protest, the hero, you know, the guys are from Canada and they, uh, like their guitarist was wearing a, um, Kelly O's diner shirt that they oh, got in the morning shit. and somebody Hell had yeah. like bought them a Permanis gift card. So they're like, Oh, we just want to say we love you guys. And Permanis the fucking bomb. And like, they were so into the fact that they were here yeah. that they have a really solid fan base. Those here. guys have always seemed like total sweethearts. They're great. They're my favorite band. They're the best. They're just like, I, okay. I did my thesis project on protest. The okay. Hero. That's not a joke. Like uh, I, I love them. Yeah. You know, I haven't listened to, I haven't kept up with a lot of their later material and it was for no reason other than the fact that I, I, I just, you just didn't, I just did it. <laughs> but I remember I really, really liked Fortress a lot. And I remember I pre-ordered it on iTunes whenever oh, it wow. came out. Yeah. So I got the instrumental version of the album as well. Mm-hmm. And I was just blown away by all the production on that album because I mean, I don't know what's the vocalist's name. Brody Walker. Okay. Great, great guy. Great vocalist. But I mean, he really dominates the mix. He does. But hearing those songs without him being, you know, flamboyantly beautiful Mm -hmm. on top of everything, there's so much stuff that gets buried. And I'm like, man, I wish that like everybody could engage with this on its like full scale. I um I have that conversation a lot with friends of mine because I just I listen to an immense amount of music of all styles and there are some bands that the vocalist that is that pressure point for me like I don't know if you've ever listened to Haken they're mm-hmm. that they're like real kind of like wanky you know noodly prog rock metal stuff um, from the UK and I saw them at the Rex Theater and. I love everything about Haken for the most part, except their vocalist. And it's not because he's a bad vocalist. It's actually, he is such a good vocalist that I almost feel like listening to him on a studio album plunges me into the uncanny Valley. He's almost so good that he sounds like a robot. His, his voice control and his, just the way he attacks and stuff, he is so phenomenally good. And it's just kind of like, he's an Android. So when I got to see him at the Rex theater, it was like, Oh, okay, good. He's a real life human. Like uh-huh. I can see him performing his craft and that was one of the best shows I've ever seen. But um, they are a band that I, I just feel like bands have almost no reason nowadays not to release an instrumental version of their album. Because as a friend mentioned to me, he said, it literally costs the band nothing. You just you just, you just re-export all the tracks without the vocal track and yeah. some of the effects. I mean, I know it's not that simple, but he's like, doing that little bit of extra work could gain you some fans who, you know, they, they may never ever listen to the version of the album with the vocalist if their voice is really abrasive to them or something, but they might listen to the shit out of the instrumental versions. Yeah. And I like the instrumental versions Which, of Haken. It's great. I just don't like listening to it too with vocals. Shout outs. This is the first announcement that I'm doing this and I'm just thinking about it right now. I got to double check the date real quick. Uh, I do agree. I really enjoy listening to instrumental versions of albums as well, just because I like hearing that extra production mm-hmm. and uh, just it's, it's an, it's a neat way to engage with things. I mean, yeah. I have uh, I see you have the, the Tesseract patch. Yes. I have, I have Tesseract one on vinyl and oh, it has, really? it has the instrumental vinyl and nice. the album vinyl. And I probably listen to the instrumental version of the songs more. That's my favorite Tesseract album. Honestly. I mean, Dan's great. Ash is great. No matter who their vocalist is, they're great, but there's something about I that first there, one. There was something about, there was a lot more attention to detail in their dynamics in their earlier work. I, I fully understand why they kind of decided to like slowly shave off all of the metal 
out mm-hmm. of their stuff, yeah. you know, and like they still write beautiful compositions, but I like the dynamics of being able to go from like something really, really pretty to being like really, really low and like make it work. It was like mm-hmm. a really, really fun roller coaster. Now it's yes. just like an okay roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot more like ups and downs. <laughs> yeah. That was, you know, awesome. But July 29th, Greywalker is going to be releasing the deluxe version of Without Control on all streaming oh, platforms, cool. which inclu- includes the instrumental version of oh, the album. That's perfect. So, yeah, there's a quick plug for that. Also, great that you're the vocalist. You're like, hey, go buy my record without me uh-huh. singing or totally. screaming on it. We uh, we released the last version of our last album we released an instrumental version of it. And I remember we made like a promo for it where like uh, I photoshopped me out of the band photos <laughs> and stuff like that. And like just made it like really abrasive, like fuck this guy. Listen <laughs> this to guy the album sucks. without. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, but uh, yeah. One more thing that I want to touch on because we actually got some listener questions. Some people oh, sent yes. some stuff okay, in. Okay, great for my impromptu. So shout interview. outs to those people. Yeah. But I do want to bring up to kind of tie the knot on, album production, metal bands playing live. I remember the first time I ever talked to you. Okay. Specifically. Wondering. Are you talking to me? We were playing a show and you walked up to me and complimented me on my car bomb t-shirt. Oh, was it when you guys played at Cativo? Yeah. Oh, it was the first time I saw you guys. I just can't remember the show. I it might've been darkest hour. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was darkest hour. And that was the time that, um, uh, Stefan Wolfgang, whatever his name oh, yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. He was the guy that I took a video of unknowingly eating, downing the salad in the mosh pit at darkest hour. Cause I, I guess they had made his food order kind of late and he had like just gotten the chance to run up to the bar and eat. And he's like, fuck, I got to shovel it in. So he's like, like shoveling the salad down right as this mosh pits opening. But yeah, was, if you want a small world, this conversation, Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you one guess to guess who I share this space with. Well, I saw it on your yeah. door, the Arkham, the Arkham <laughs> fan. I was like, wait, that salad guy who I met, <laughs> who I met in person out at Casey's with shy from whorehound seeing, um, Oh my God. Who was it? It was, um, God, I don't remember the name of the band, uh, active shooter okay. and, um, some other bands. And he can't, he overheard me talking about signs. Cause I, work for a sign company and he's like, Oh, um, he's like, I don't mean to eavesdrop, but I might need some signage to help promote my real estate company. And I looked at him and I'm I'm like, why is this guy so familiar? Like I just something. And then he's like, yeah, uh, here, send me a request on Facebook so I can get in touch with you. And I was like, you know, it's just like, like it's the salad guy. Did you tell him that? I did. Yeah. He was like, Oh my God, that was, that was like two years ago at this point, two or three easily. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, it was just, Full circle. It was That's crazy. So funny. I can't believe you remember that though. Uh, well, I remember it specifically because I had that shirt for a really long time and nobody ever said a damn word to me about it. Car bomb's the best. And car bomb's one of those bombs that like I've championed for a very long time. I've mm-hmm. been listening to them since like way back relapse records days. Yeah. And you know, nobody really knows who they are and it's super unfortunate. So right. you like mentioned that to me. And then after that, it was like, you know, I just saw you all the time at places <laughs> just because you were coming out to a lot of shows. Yeah. We were playing a lot of shows and I'm like, Oh, yes, that's sir. the person that knows car bomb is cool. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, because, uh, I had seen car bomb was a band that I never got a chance to see live for a really long time. Did you get to see them live? Did. did you see them in Cleveland? No, I saw them here. Oh, I didn't even know. Oh, wait, they played with uh, periphery. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was that show. Yeah. So we were at that show together. So, but what had happened was 
the reason why I'm bringing this up is because they're one of those bands that like they're very produced and it's like, you know, can you do this live? And then I saw them live. And while it's not as like robotically perfect, it's still there. They could still do it. It's it's heavy and it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I have to mention, um, I've mentioned it on my podcast a couple of times, but I owe a lot of my, I guess, podcast growth and my exploration in new music to, um, there's a discord group that I'm in. It's called images and words. Uh, I think, yeah, it's a rush album. I think. Yeah. It's but it is dream theater. Or, or, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Dream th- oh my God. It's- shame on me. Shame <laughs> on me. I always want to say rush. Cause we, uh, Oh, the icon is, um, the guy from the one rush album cover. That's why yeah, I'm getting yeah. that confused. But anyway, so it's, you know, like a chat room for a bunch of prog nerds. And, um, there's a guy in that discord group who made a playlist that's called Carly bomb. So it's Carly Ray Jepsen songs and every other one is a car bomb song. So it's just Carly bomb. And that's like been a running meme in that discord group. And I think it's like the greatest thing ever. There's a surprisingly, there's a surprising amount of overlap with metalheads loving pop music. Yeah. I think that nothing wrong with that. I remember I, uh, so I, I had talked with Dylan and Spencer from full of hell on an early episode of start the beat. Mm -hmm. And I asked them about like, you know, what's some music that maybe the two of you are into that would surprise people. I remember Spencer saying that he was a huge fan of Grimes. Oh yeah. Somebody recommended Grimes to me recently. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I could see that. So it's kind of just like abstract fun stuff. And I think that like, even like back to another food analogy, it's like, you know, like (laughs) snack food is fun. Yeah. Snack food's good. Like who doesn't want a Cheeto every once in a while? <laughs> you know, it's like, I find, I find like a lot of pop songs, like that sticky sweetness to it to really be, you know, a metaphorical equivalent to a pop song. Yeah. Well, uh, I know you just had Jerry and Julia Mulligan on your yeah, show. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, we're tight with them and <laughs> hey, fuck you guys. No, uh, <laughs> No. Um, and I talked to Julia about that the one time how, you know, I'm really into like the progressive stuff. That's just always kind of weird and not necessarily like easy listening stuff that you just throw on in the background. But she told me the one time she's like, you know, so yeah, I don't think I'll ever really be into that stuff. But also the fact that she's like, you know, I'm not ashamed to just throw on some, I don't want to say lowbrow, but just, I don't want to have to think about the music I listen to sometimes. Sometimes I just want to put something on that sounds good. And I don't try to make any claims about anything when I'm listening a to a good it. song is a good song, no matter yep, what it is. That's it. So before we get into listener questions, who needs a refill? We need some refills on beers. Uh, yeah, I think so. All right, probably. cool. So I'm going to grab some beer and why don't you tell the people where they can find your podcast? Oh, sure. Um, to the people. Um, yeah, I am tapestry music podcast. I'm kind of on all the platforms. Uh, the only ones I really I guess monitor widely or I upload all my stuff to SoundCloud. Uh, I'm now recently on Spotify. I'm on Apple music, but I truthfully don't touch it, but I, I know I'm available and um, yeah. And then you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for the refill. Uh, <laughs> this is service right here. Um, God, I got to drive home. <laughs> no, uh, I'm on Instagram as tapestry music podcast. If you, if you see me around, like my logo is a little purple, microphone with a white T that's me. And, um, yeah, that's about everywhere I am for right now. So nothing, nothing fancier than that. I believe this is the second time we're drinking beer. That's not from Allegheny city brewing, but I'm putting the logo here. No <laughs> false advertising. It's fine. We're drinking Penn dark from Penn brewery. It's very good. Shout outs to them and shout outs to Allegheny city brewing, which is right down the street. 
They are friends of Penn, so I don't feel bad plugging this, them. This I'll was a really Penn. good choice, by the way. This Penn is Dark's a great beer. Excellent. I'm not a light beer IPA person. Mm-hmm. This is this is a really smooth drinking beer. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good easy beer. It's only four point seven percent, so you don't got to worry. That's too, why I don't feel you don't like, got to uh, worry about being all like. Ugh. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a lightweight. I like it. It's a good dark beer. It tastes like a traditional beer. It's not gonna fucking wreck you. You could drink a couple of them and not feel too uh, right. too guilty. So. Without further ado, oh let's get into listener questions. Great. I'm going to just plop this over here. Oh, oh, great. Oh, I've already right. been, I've already right. been right. question bombed so by we, all the Jake the Hawk guys. <laughs> we can't. Uh, I still have yet to find a way to uh, work this out so that the TV doesn't completely blow out on the camera. Uh, so just deal with that. I apologize. It's fine. Keeps the suspense. This is mainly just so we can read it easily. I'm actually, I'm going to zoom in a bit. How much can I zoom in? (laughs) All right. Okay. So let's see if I can actually make this a little bit darker on the screen for anybody watching. Oh, yeah, it's legible. Oh. It's legible. Now, now you can't see us, but you can see the TV. No, it actually brings my skin tone to a normal, <laughs> normal amount. <laughs> so I don't look like a bleach human. All right. So <laughs> since there's three questions, we're going to answer all three of them. Perfect. All right. John, not John asks, <laughs> have you seen mid yet? I have not. I, but I did see John, not John about 12 hours ago. <laughs> yeah, I saw him too. Uh, he was heading to, well, I turned the brightness up way too much on that. Let's go back down to earth there. I saw him too. He was on his way here actually to oh, watch really? uh, our, our mutual friend and former guest of the podcast, Walkman. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's okay. a good dude. But uh, but one big thing that I tried to do with my Deutschtown Music Fest experience was see a lot of bands that I don't normally ever get to see because I had some right. friends that were playing that either they are always playing at some place that's like an hour away or they just never play. Right. So I like took a lot of my time to check out those bands and not see my friend. Like, I mean, I just played with Walkman a few months ago. So it's like, mm-hmm. and like we're homies, nothing against them, but yeah. I've seen you. I want yeah, to see right. somebody else. Right. I, they, well, I saw him at the, at the long hunt last night and I've, I feel so bad because Allison and Trevor, I see them out all the time and I'm, it's, it's so hard to be sincere when you truly mean when you say to somebody, I'm so sorry, I couldn't make it to your show because that sounds like an empty excuse, but it's been like three explicitly different times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go see a long hunt show. And then something comes up or I have to make some scheduling. I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, yeah. So I finally got to see them last night. And it was so worth it. And, yeah. and John was sitting They're right next to me. They're fucking awesome. And I, I was trying so hard to hang in there and stick around for them. Day. Well, me and Stacy went to Kennywood at 10 o'clock in the morning yesterday <laughs> to ride the new ride. Okay. We stood in line for four hours to ride the steel uh, curtain, you know, shout outs it? to the steel curtain. It was, it's really hard for me to justify standing four hours in line for anything, oh my God. but it was a really, really awesome ride. I'm a huge roller coaster fan. I'm a huge theme park fan. My mm-hmm. old man goal is I'm going to join one of those roller coaster groups that goes on the buses <laughs> and goes around the country and rides all the rides. I fucking love it. And I've been saying forever. When this new ride opens, I'm going to be there opening fucking day and I'm going to ride that goddamn ride. <laughs> and like, I'm a, I'm a man of my word. And if I want to do something, I do it no matter the cost. That's a long time to sit and bake in the sun. Yesterday was, I mean, it was a scorcher, but it was just more with Deutschland. You're just walking around. I for caught hours up on, on a lot end. of emails. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that was tight. 
Yeah. But uh, it was totally fun. Definitely worth it. I know the line's not going to be four hours forever. So if anybody mm. gets a chance to go out there and ride the ride, I highly recommend it. And uh, yeah. But after that, we like went straight to Deutschtown. It's so just by the time the by the time it got to be like 10 o'clock at night, like we me and Stacy ate late. So we ate like a late dinner. And then after that, it was like shut down. Yep. Because we, we got the food in us and it was like, oh, <laughs> well, our um, our morning before Deutschtown yesterday was um, Eugene had a friend in town who they actually had been to Deutschtown before yesterday was my first experience. And um, there's this great there's that sushi bomb place up in Robinson, yeah. the unlimited sushi. And our idea of a good time was to go eat, you know, disgusting amounts of sushi and then go walk it all off around Deutschtown. And it was like, you know, the whole day I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's what I felt like most of the morning. And then, you know, like four hours of walking around, you're kind of like, okay, I could go for some ice cream. <laughs> so that was my diet yesterday. It was $18 worth of sushi, two scoops of mint chocolate chip ice cream, and then by the end of the night, I somehow was like, I'll drink some beer and have brisket nachos from Rogue Barbecue at the food truck. I, I oh my God, <laughs> like I slept in and I was going to get up and go to the gym and I'm like, no, I'd have to get somebody to roll me there. So, <laughs> so, uh, mm. John, not John Midsummer. I didn't even know what this was. I just Googled it. Yeah. It's a movie. It's a drama slash thriller. Oh, I was thinking of, there's also a band called that. I think too. That's what I was oh, really? taking it as, but yeah, um, I don't watch horror films. Like if any of my friends out there are like, Oh, did you see, uh, you know this? So what's no, up with that? I haven't. Are you like one I, of those people that likes metal, but not a uh, metal or not metal type things? Um, well, one if horror is a metal type thing. I think it is. Yeah. They kind of go hand in hand. Um, like I said before in this interview, I'm a highly sensitive person. And I think like my mom is a really easily startled person. I'm a really easily startled person. And I guess, certain emotions. Like I think a little bit of struggle and resistance is good for people, but at the same time, I don't like to willingly be afraid. Like if I can avoid it, I think that's kind of a biological instinct to not want to be afraid of things. So I'm sort of Fair like, enough. I get plenty afraid of stupid things like my own mind, <laughs> like my own anxiety and stuff does it for me. So why would I pay $9 to go sit in a theater to be afraid? Like it's just, it just doesn't appeal to me, but I think you know, psychological thrillers, like I'll read scary books or I'll read suspenseful books, but I guess maybe the act of seeing it live, I'm just not all that into. So Fair sorry, sorry. I have not seen that and I probably won't, but yeah, I haven't seen this. I haven't even heard of it, but, uh, you know what I will, uh, maybe I'll check it out. So, uh, you know, thanks for the question, John, not John. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And then we got, uh, fellow bandmate <laughs> fellow bandmate uh jake the hawk drummer who is a very very tight live drummer i do want to say that jordan i saw them play up, jordan. they opened up for uh zealand order and that was a really cool show oh, yeah and uh they had a really I, I i like jake the hawk that was the first time i saw them live oh really yeah that, that, those gentlemen have recently come into my life yeah oh they're great uh, gentlemen yeah they're, they're nice guys uh jordan's a cool dude very good drummer and he asks the hard-hitting question is a hot dog a sandwich? Is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> My boyfriend's over there going, eh, no, answer no. Um, mm. I will you, know, say you know what I just thought about? Didn't you just, um, didn't you just plug Bon Me and Tea on did. your last I episode? So if a Bon Me is a sandwich and it comes in a three of the four walls are not enclosed, it's not a cubicle of bread with meat in the middle. If a bon me qualifies as a sandwich, 
I kind of feel like a hot dog might qualify as a sandwich. I actually feel that way now. I have never once thought about this, but it's just like the is, um, if you've ever heard the question, is ravioli just a fruit or is, is ravioli just a meat pop tart? <laughs> that like, I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to answer that. I don't consider it one personally, but I guess by the books, a hot dog is a sandwich. I, what do you think? You know what? I'm going to say like, I mean, do you need the meat to be stacked? Is the fact that it's in a cylindrical shape what's putting you off from I the think, fact that I hot think, dog you know, might be 2019 <laughs> is a really socially acceptable time. You know what I mean? We're talking a lot about a fluidity. <laughs> you can you can identify as any kind of sandwich. That so you want. I think that you know, if a hot dog wants to identify as a sandwich, it can <laughs> in 2019 <laughs> for sure. And uh, I'm going to say sure, especially wow. if a hot dog has cheese on it. Yeah, it's definitely some form of a sandwich or like a Coney Island dog that just has, you know, hey, do you want some meat with your meat and onions? Sure. Like, I think it's a sandwich. I think a hot dog could be a sandwich. Wow. This has been the most productive discussion of 2019. (laughs) Yeah. Answer solved. Hot dogs are sandwiches. You heard it here. Awesome. So, hey, Jordan, thanks for the question. Yeah. And then one last question from Anthony Berardi. I've met him, too. I met him at a Jake the Hawk show. God, all these people like podcasts, fucking nerds. Anthony (laughs) Bernardi asks pineapple on pizza. I wouldn't go out of my way to put pineapple on a pizza. I'm not going to order pineapple on a pizza, but if I'm somewhere and they're like, Hey, we got some pizza and I'm like, word, what's on it? They're like pineapple. I'll be like, fine. Me personally resounding. Yes. To pineapple on pizza. I, 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 okay. Resounding maybe is a strong word. I agree with pineapple on pizza. I like it but it usually is better when it has ham on it too. You know, so, classic Hawaiian pizza is great, but uh, what I'm going to say regarding my experience with pineapple on pizza <laughs> is the pineapple needs to be cl- or the pizza needs to be a little bit closer to room temp. I think for me to like it, I think if it's hmm. like oven fresh hot. Oh yeah. It, Warm like the, fruit. The, the consistency of the pineapple is kind of fucked up, but if everything kind of balances out and they can meet in the middle, right. I feel that those textures work a little bit better. Or if they can like, cause I, my very first, uh, no, if my second job, um, when I was like, before I went into the field I'm in now, I worked at a restaurant and that was always my favorite position to work as a cook was doing like a wood fired pizza thing. And it's just so much fun to like toss the dough and cook it and make all the pizzas and stuff. That's just a blast. But I always hated doing the pineapple ones because it's sort of like you realize you're ordering wilted fruit on your pizza. Like it, it kind of all tastes the same going in, but I don't know. I, I agree with you though. It has to be a little bit, it's almost like you touch up the pizza in the oven and then you put the pineapple on top. When so it's done. I, I wish Stacy was here to talk about this. My girlfriend, she really opinionated on pineapple on pizza. No, she likes pineapple <laughs> on pizza, but she legitimately puts one thing on a pizza and she loves it. And it's like the most adolescently psychopath thing about her, <laughs> but it's a good part of the reason why I love her because she's a fucking weirdo. What do you think her thing to put on pizza is? I've only met Stacy once and I don't know, but, um, is it a vegetable or like a meat? It's neither. Oh Christ! Um, pretzels. No, that's it. I, 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 I would, would try eat that. pretzel pizza. Sour Patch Kids. Whoa, <laughs> whoa! Um, Eugene had uh, was that freaking? Uh, oh, have you tried the Sour Patch Kids cereal? No. It, I don't want to say I hate it or even like dislike it, but. Think about how weird that is soaking sour, crunchy pieces in cold 
creamy milk. I don't, I mean, it's not exactly that appealing and it's really weird the well, way you make it, it like, sound really negative. Yeah. Creamy is, <laughs> I don't like creamy as a descriptor. I feel like, I feel like you use a lot of triggering uh, <laughs> verbiage there. So uh. yeah, I kind of skewed my answer. <laughs> it's, it's just a really weird flavor profile. And God, I, I just said this word the other night and I'm like, please smack me upside the face. Gordon Ramsay should burst in this door. It doesn't have a good mouth feel. Oh, it's just yeah, that's fair. weird. You know, it's sour and weird. Uh, there's, but- <laughs> We got one more question that came in last minute from my friend David of the band Pet Clinic who played a really good set last night. I caught the last tail end of it. Uh, But uh, before we get into that, I'm going to do a couple things. Hmm. One, we got 4% left on the battery on the camera. Okay. Audio's fine, but camera's going to have to go. So for visuals, we're saying goodbye to you. You can. I'm going to put up just a nice picture and the rest of the (laughs) video will play through and you can listen to it, but the camera's going to die. I'm turning it off. And we're going to continue with the audio as is. And I'm going to talk more about Stacy being a psychopath and uh, licking <laughs> Sour Patch Kids on pizza. So I'm stopping. the. Actually, I'll just let the camera roll until it dies. And it'll still write even if it runs out of battery. Yeah, so. well, this the audio and the thing are on separate things. Okay, so cool. we're good. I'm just going to let that roll. I'm just letting you know now to expect that to die. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the Sour Patch Kids on pizza thing is not as bad as you think it would be. It's, I would try it. That's for sure. Did she like grow up doing that or just some weird flu? She'd, she she'd have to answer this question. Okay, so next time you see her, her, ask her about it, but I've definitely had it. And I was like, this is fine. I, I may guess. have just burped too. I couldn't tell if I picked it up. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I okay. kind of like slipped out. That's fine. No worries. <laughs> like, it wasn't in my response to the Sour Patch Kids on pizza. It was just, you know, you know, I like people that know what they like and they're unapologetic about it. I think it's yeah. important to, you know, Find who you are. I will eat almost anything. Go for it. Yeah. I'll eat almost anything as no matter how weird it is. Yeah. I don't care. Like there's almost, there's almost not many, there there pretty much are no foods that I dislike except for oysters. Really? Okay. Oysters are like eating sea snot. It's just, I can't get, I'm a big texture freak. I can't get over that scummy it's it's like somebody hawked a loogie into a shell and just here you go it's It'll funny that that's like fancy like, food too right well it, think about how lobsters have changed um uh you know so sociologically lobsters used to be they're the bugs of the sea the fishermen would just they'd pull them up on their catch and be like oh what's this shit well i guess we can eat it and now it's like they have the audacity to charge you 35 dollars well, it's kind of like diamonds yeah, it's it, it's kind of like a shifting goalpost of wh- what that food represents in society. It's almost kind of like pop music too, in a way. You find a way to put the most value on like the simplest, dumbest stuff. Yeah, pretty much. But a lot of pop music can be really hard to write. So no, well, no yeah. hate again, no hate on pop music, but it's just a, a thing that I thought about. Yeah, there's always that statement of like. Oh, uh, well, pop music is so simple. Yeah. You write a pop song. You write a number one bestselling pop song. See how, tell me how easy it is. I couldn't do it. (laughs) And I have stopped the camera. We're at 1% battery just so everybody out there in audio land knows, but we're going to answer this last question unless another one came in. We can keep doing it. This is actually a good question because this comes from David of the band pet clinic who played yesterday. They played at Deutschtown music fest. We've been talking about Deutschtown music fest and Whoop. Meg. <laughs> Get out of here, Meg. Leave <laughs> us alone. <laughs> um, so Dave <laughs> asked, 
I had a lot of people at Deutschtown asking me for physical maps to know who was playing where and when. Is this a topic? I imagine that it probably is a topic, but one of the things that actually rubs me the wrong way with Deutschtown is it seems that they have a really hard time getting a grasp on like getting venues to get their shit together because a lot of the time bands get moved around at the last minute. It yeah. seems to always happen. I, I missed I missed Oceans to Ash yesterday. I really wanted to go see Oceans to Ash. I planned it in my schedule and I ran into a friend from college who had told me ahead of time he was um, going to be in town driving in from Columbus. They did a brewery tour with some friends and I was like, okay, I got to go see my buddy Steve. So I said, hey, why don't you just come down to the north side? I'll give you the address. Come see some music. And so I was kind of carting them around, like leading them in the wrong direction on Google Maps for a while. And we hauled ass over to Armory Printworks, which was where Oceans to Ash was going to be. And then you walk all the way over there and I'm leading them there in the hot sun. And there's a sign taped on the door that says we're over at somewhere on Tripoli Street, which is literally like in the complete opposite direction. I was like, well, fuck, I'm going to miss their set now. Like we we have to be over here at six. So by the time I excuse me, walk over and see every, it's like, it's, yeah. I couldn't really make it. And I couldn't really justify dragging them all along for a 30 minute walk. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that seems to happen with Deutschtown, which is understandable because yeah. I think they're just biting off more than they can chew. Mm-hmm. And I think on paper, it sounds really cool to be like 30 stages, 300 bands. I think they do fairly well for how insane that 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 really is. I think (laughs) that if you scaled it back to something a little bit more manageable with, uh, you know, places and locations that you could, that could be reliable, right. It would make the festival function a bit more and give you that opportunity to do things like having like a map and things where of things where bands, I can't talk. (laughs) Being able to have that, um, something reliable set in stone. So you could do something like how Millville Music Fest did where they made the app. Oh, see, I haven't been to Millville Music Fest, but so, it always gives me the impression that it's extremely well organized. Yeah, with Millville Music Fest, they made an app where you could download the app. You can, and it had literally like a map with where all the venues were and had the schedules and then you could also add people to your schedule and it would be in the app. Deutschtown music fest did a thing where you could add people to your schedule, but the mobile view on your phone doesn't show you the schedule. So I had to go to web browser view Mm. to get the schedule. And it's like you tried and I understand it's a lot of work to do that kind of shit, but there's, there's some tweaks that could be made in regards to that. Can I mention one thing about Deutschtown? And I kind of have a grudge about this after last night. It sort of, it pretty much ruined my evening and more so I think my boyfriend's evening, but it kind of put me in a bad mood too. The bullshit with the freaking wristbands thing. They need to train and educate their volunteers or their workers, I guess, on that because 100% I'm using this term not lightly. We got scammed last night pretty much when we went to go see the long hunt and all that stuff at St. Mary's. They have a person stationed out front and She's like, Hey guys, can I see your IDs? Can you get wristbands? Or we, you know, you need to pay $5 for a wristband. And I was sort of like, why is she asking me for a wristband? We're going into a venue that has a bar. So I said, Hey, I said, you know, no due respect, uh, due disrespect. I said, we were here last night for a show and we did not get asked for a wristband. We're all over 21. We showed ID at the bar and we paid cash at the bar to drink. And she goes, well, um, well, you weren't supposed to do that. And you didn't, I didn't hear you say that. And I'm like, okay, so we cough up $5 for a wristband. And then we go inside 
And I talked to one, the one bartender and I said something about this just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I said, you, you guys operate like a normal bar, correct? We drank here last night. I show you my ID. You see I'm over 21 and I give you money to pour me a drink. And she goes, yeah. She's like, we have nothing to do with the wristband thing. So we just went back outside because they're also a cash only bar. So we were out of money now to purchase beverages with. So we went out front and I said, Hey, I said, I'd really like my money back. I don't need this wristband. I just confirmed with the bartender that I can purchase alcohol here legally like anything else. And she's like, Oh, sorry, there was a misunderstanding. And I'm thinking, no, I told you, I said, we're over 21. It, it should operate normally. And I think there's just some confusion with some of the venues like having that additional sponsored wristband thing and whatever. That was kind of the well, only source supposedly, spot with me. My, I just, I think it was just a lot of miscommunication there. Yeah. My understanding with the wristbands is that that the money from those wristbands that for the Deutschtown, mm-hmm. the idea in theory is. Yeah. Cause please if, educate me. Cause I, they don't explain it. They're just like, give me your $5 and let yeah. you in to go pay more money to buy drinks. My, my computer's blowing up now, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, the idea with the wristbands is that if you, you get the wrist, you pay five bucks to get the wristband to show that you're 21 plus. Right. And you should only have to pay that once. Mm-hmm. And that wristband is so you can go to all of the outside pop-up places and get your beers. And that money is supposed to go and pay for the bands that are playing. The past two years that I played Deutschtown Music Festival, we did get paid. We got checks. Good. I fully support that that if they tell you that. They don't tell you that at all. But I will tell you this. Of all the places that I went to yesterday, the girl standing outside of St. Mary's was the only person that gave me trouble as well about Ooh. the wristband. Ooh. We have a we have a mystery on our hands. And I don't no, know. I don't, if I it's don't a wish her any like, like No, it was like <laughs> in a way where it was like whenever I was walking in to go see Gator Shakes, shout outs to the homies and Gator Shakes. Yeah. And that clap a little early. <laughs> Nothing against you guys. We're just not gonna let it fade Stunted out. Stunted clap. <laughs> Are you twenty one? Yes. Are you planning on drinking? No, I wasn't. I was just going to go watch the band leave. They're like, okay, well, if you want to drink, it's $5 for a wristband. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Good to know. And then I went inside and I was like, oh, so you have to pay for a wristband and then you have to pay for drinks as yeah, well. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I did, But then later in the night when I was at the Grand Hall, I saw that that was the first time I even saw the signage for like, you know, in order to drink, you need to get a wristband. Right. And, you know, money goes to the artists. Wristbands are $5. But I mean, I apologize. I didn't buy a wristband yesterday and I bought beer at a lot of places without a wristband and without getting carded. And I, well, and And I would have been much more compelled to do it. I didn't even think about it until I saw that sign. I, in my brain, I thought, oh, St. Mary's is just trying to make five bucks from all the people coming in the venue. That is exactly what I thought. And then I saw that sign later at the end of the day, granted I had been drinking all day without being asked once. So I feel bad about that. I feel bad that I didn't buy a wristband to give, you know, bands five bucks, but yeah, Deutschtown people need to know that 
either people are being very abrasive and not explaining it correctly, or they're just not even checking it for the wristbands at all. It just felt like I got lied to my face because I was very polite about it. I said, I just don't understand. I said, what is the point of the wristband if I can walk four feet to my right and go in and purchase the alcohol at a bar like any other fucking establishment in the city? Yeah, like yeah. I was really, and it wasn't even me. It was really my boyfriend, but we all kind of collectively were like, what they don't, they don't advertise it. I understand having the wristband to go drink at the little straw tents and stuff, but we kind of, as a group were like, we wanted to, you know, patronize the establishments we were going into as opposed to getting a draft thing poured out of a keg. But, um, it just comes down to communication. They just, oh, and I went to St. Mary's at 10 o'clock at night. I only wanted to see two more bands. We went to see rat tits and then the long hunt. And, um, we ran into so many other people walking up the sidewalk. We're like, don't buy a wristband. You don't need a wristband. Don't buy a wristband. But I wouldn't have said that had I known that it was actually for a good cause, but they didn't advertise it that way. And they're a cash only bar. So the money I would have, we lost 15 bucks collectively for wristbands that I then needed to get back to actually buy beer. So yeah, so that's, that's our beef. That's my beef. Nothing against Deutschland. I had a fantastic time. I thought it really, it, it really went off pretty much without a hitch, but I just think if I could make any suggestions about how to improve that, they need to communicate that better and just inform everybody to not really be so abrasive about it, I guess. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's so fucking hard to put it, put together an event mm -hmm. like that. I think. Right. If I was running this event, the way that I would do it, um, you know, I would definitely from the jump not try to get, you know, secure spots in places where it's unreliable. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like the place that you went to. Yeah. Or uh, that, works or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's fine. You know, like shit happens, but it's like, why don't you focus on spots that are actually capable of hosting these bands? Mm -hmm. And then also, if you're going to do two nights, why not split it up so Friday nights one side of North Side and then Saturday nights the other side oh, of North Side idea. rather yeah. than trying to have people, you know, going back and forth because as a patron, it was really hard for me because there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to see and I literally couldn't do all of it because it was so scattered, which yeah. on a scale, it's like, oh, this is fun. But like, yeah, you, you, you do. The, it, it makes it just kind of like more miserable and just kind of like. <laughs> disappointing to some degree. Yeah. Though I think that is the beauty of Deutschtown is like you were saying earlier, you know, there were people I wanted to see because I knew of the band, but maybe I hadn't gotten to see them live. And it was like, Oh cool. This is now a chance to see them in sort of a weird setting and it, it might be fun. And, um, some of the beauty of Deutschtown is you are just kind of letting the music encompass you. You're sort of walking up the street and going, Oh, Hey, you know, I wonder who these guys are. They sound pretty good. We'll stand across the street and watch them or we'll stumble into this place and grab some food and see who's playing. But, um, the, and it does get pretty, it does get pretty exhausting throughout the day. Just the other, being out so much and walking thing, around. Yeah. The other thing that sucks about it too, is that it's like, there's like a hard disconnect because you have to walk across the bridge. That's like, what 276 or whatever yeah, the road yeah, 279, is yeah. yeah 279 uh that disconnect of places to see music in mm -hmm. between it makes it like where are we walking again yeah like, what are my, we going uh, to so uh, i'm going to shout out to my good friend katie d she was uh katie d in the quaking aspens is kind of her little stage name but it's just her solo folk guitar stuff murder ballads she's very funny good friend of mine and i knew that she was playing at Threadbare Cider House. That is literally the farthest venue away. And I had parked right off 279. And I'm like, well, I'm not moving my car because I got free street parking. I'm not giving up my spot. So 
my boyfriend and his friend and I walked 25 minutes on foot just over there. And I told my parents to come out and support. So they did. And I'm like, if my parents hadn't been there and they had a van to drive us back to uh-huh. Troy Hill, I mean, we would have been walking through the dark, like in some real, you better have a pocket knife sort of shit. Yeah. Like, you know, it's very disparate. And I mean, I don't know how you could really make that better other than you're just kind of capping off the amount of venues you have just keep it to a smaller list. Cause it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's literally impossible to see every band at Deutsche. Yeah. It's physically impossible. You're never going to see every band. I think that like you could spread out the event like across more days mm-hmm. and like, and like, um, make every little day, like much more busy. Like you have Saturday be like that busy day that's over in like Deutsche town center where mm-hmm. like the main stage and all that stuff is in the park. That's all great. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, do Friday night, do that at like Penn brewery and all the stuff in this area. And then if you wanted to do, you could do a Sunday brunch at the Threadbare in the wiggle whiskey. Yeah, room, and I was kind of hoping that they would have, um, like I'm sure festivities are shut down for the day now. Um, but I, I was kind of hoping that they would have more stuff on Sunday, but I understand why they do that. They want to give the volunteers and the workers like a chance to get a break and get some of their weekend back. And you know, people might travel in for this. But, I mean, if you like, need travel time, if you were to split it up, you know, yeah. like it would, be a lot, actually a lot easier because instead of everybody having to focus on this huge geographical area, it's like, oh, you know, on one day, like on Friday night is like the whole Penn Brewery side of Northside. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday is the the other side of Northside. On Saturday, you can have people doing cleanup on this side. Yeah, of yeah, the, I like that taking idea. Taking care of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they could actually, you wouldn't have to rent as much gear because whatever you tear down from Friday night, yeah, just hop you could use over. on Sunday. That's a great idea. Oh, I think you should get on the committee or something. Like, see, you have enough connections. You yeah, could probably I, worm your way onto it somehow. I, 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 you know, I, I don't think anybody wants to hear my ideas <laughs> because I'm also fully convinced, you know, and I don't mean this in any sort of a bad way. I just think that it's, in one way or another, I think somebody's making a lot of money off of this. So I think that the focus and the drive behind this is not so much, oh, let's promote the local music community, blah, 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 blah. It's a lot of money. Somebody's making money off of this. That's the only reason they're able to do it. And the easiest way for them to do it is just, you know, whatever. Just take over everything. Let's just make a shit ton of money. Put bands wherever. Put them in situations that don't really matter. The PA doesn't work out, whatever. They'll figure it out. Right, yeah. That kind of shit, you know. It was like half the shows I saw yesterday. And that's fine, but... uh, We'll just keep in mind, you know, maybe one day I'll do my own thing and y'all watch out. That would be awesome. I, I would go out. I would go to whatever music festival you come up with. I think it would be great. I have some ideas. Well, you touch so many, you know, parts of the local scene. And like, like I was saying before, I think we start recording, you know, you're, you're a hip hop guy and you're a metal guy. And so like you, <laughs> in the Venn diagram of genres, you're kind of like in three or four circles and uh, that gives you a unique perspective on the needs, I guess, of concert goers and, po- the, and arts fans in the city. Yeah. The podcast does it the most because like I have people on the show from like every little stupid pocket of right. the music scene. And the interesting thing is that everybody has the same issues. Yeah. It doesn't, like you said, like genres are almost irrelevant anymore. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, all the people I interview on my show, it's like, I could talk to a pop artist or a metal front woman or a bass guitarist or a drummer or whoever. And most of them in, encounter the same types of issues in their local scene or 
um, just in the music industry at large kind of. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, it's, it's cool. I I do want to put together some sort of a, a fest thing. I have ideas, you know, a start the beat festival or something like that. We'll see what happens. Will you at least do uh, like live podcasts. Like I would love to get into that at some point, but I'm just, I'm not sure if I'm ready to do it yet, but I, I give you a lot of credit for just like going, Hey, I'm just going to set up a table and uh, you know, see who comes out. That sort of yeah, thing. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. People do not give a shit about live podcasts. So <laughs> may, maybe save yourself the, uh, <laughs> save yourself the energy. Oh, <laughs> they don't care. Uh, I mean, we did uh We've done some house party live podcasts and those are cool, mm-hmm. but like actually like doing it at a venue, it can yeah. be hard, but that's just me, you know, like people that listen to your show and maybe your demographic of people, they might be people that might be willing to come out. You never know until you try. No, that's true. I would so love don't to let give me it a discourage try. you. No, just no, in no. my experience, it hasn't been the most fruitful. That's kind of scary though, because your podcast is essentially specific, n- not entirely, but it's relevant to Pittsburgh. And if you can't get, Yinzers to come out to a local podcast about Pittsburgh music. It's sort of like, well, I'm fucked because I'm interviewing people in everywhere. I mean, I've had some live guests, but for the most part, a lot of my interviews are remote. So it's like, I just interview whoever the hell I feel is going to be interesting. And so there's no chance in hell they're going to drive to Pittsburgh to show up and sit in front of me at a table somewhere. Like, I just think that even though a lot of people will know podcasts, the um, a large scale respect and appreciation for podcasting is still pretty niche. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with it's hard enough trying to get people to come out to a live show, a live local show. Right. You know, so, but that's music. People like watching bands play music, mm-hmm. but you try to get a bunch of people to come out to a live podcast and watch people talk. Yeah. It's, it's a very specific group of people. I don't know what, I don't know what other podcasts you listen to, but I know I personally would love to go see, um, have you ever heard of the dollop? Uh, Yeah. I did see the dollop live. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, they were, weren't they at like the Benedum or something? It was uh, a Carnegie. Okay. I would love to go see them live because so much of their chemistry is uh, that whole show is uh-huh. made by the chemistry of those yeah. two hosts. And then they usually at the live ones, they have like I, a special guest. I think it's a, it's a completely different beast. If you have like a huge podcast that taps into that market, mm-hmm. but me being this niche person, that's, you know, I'm doing a podcast, which is a niche demographic on Pittsburgh music, which is even more yeah, niche, it's a small thing. You know what I mean? It's one thing to do a podcast on American history, which is a huge thing. Yeah. Save so a huge, a huge topic that you could pull a small group of people from. But for me, it's right. like, that's why I don't put in, music. Yeah. I don't put any stock in my podcast other than I do it because I love talking to musicians. Like most musicians will talk about their project. If you put them in front of a microphone. And for me, music has always been a kind of psychologically connected way to express myself. And so I always like kind of pulling the curtain back and understanding what makes other musicians tick. Like, you know, what is it that drives them to make music and why is that the medium through which they do it? So it's like, I don't want to say I don't care if my conversations are interesting, but the end of, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm going to go seek out the people that I want to know those answers about, not necessarily what quote unquote, my fans will. Cause I only, you know, I have a small dedicated listener base, but, and I try to put out quality material, but really the point of my podcast is to, Hey, I want to get my questions answered and hopefully somebody listens and has a good time while they listen. And if you don't give a shit about what you're doing and what you're putting out, it's going to come through 
in the end result and then nobody else and is going to care cares. about it. Yeah. yeah. If you don't care about what you're doing, you can guarantee nobody gives a shit about it. Yeah. For sure. It's a problem. Well, you're, but you seem like you're on the right side of things. I'm trying. I'm <laughs> every, every episode. I'm just like, Oh, actually that's what I have to do later today is I got a new audio interface to accommodate that um, interview I'm going to do on Wednesday with, and it's actually, you know, two local people. So I'm like, Oh crap. Like I like rush ordered stuff at guitar center and I had uh-huh. to go pick it up to like, make sure I had enough gear to accommodate two microphones. Cause I've only okay. ever, I've only ever had one live person and I'm not an audio guru. So I'm like kind of terrified that I'm going to screw it up and then I'm going to record these two people, these wonderful individuals. And then it's going to sound the, like shit. <laughs> the only way to learn something is to fuck it up for a little bit. Well, so that's why my, I would definitely suggest getting some sort of a test run. And even if you just like set everything up and you just jump around all the microphones. Yeah. And- yeah. No, I'm going to probably do that later, but it's scary when you're doing it all yourself. And like, you know, I'm here in your studio and it's just like, it's very professional and you, it's not like you've magically learned that overnight. Like I'm sure, you know, you, yeah. you had a lot of trial and error getting that right. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've been doing the podcast for a while and I was already like recording music and stuff before I started the podcast. So yeah, I have some, some background. <laughs> I wasn't, and I'm still like, what does this button do? <laughs> it's fun. Learning is great. Yeah. You know, that's failure. Still- failing is a good thing. Failing. You should fail. You should really suck at something for a little while. And then, eventually you pick up speed and you're like, Oh, okay. That's what I have to do. That's the magic button. That yeah, sort of thing. You have to do it wrong to really learn how to do it. Right. Absolutely. That's anything in life. Mm-hmm. It's like walking, right? <laughs> yeah. You got to fall down or before you eating, eating pizza the right way. Yeah. Eating pizza with sour patch kids on it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to try that. I yeah. have, next time I see Stacy, I gotta be like, Oh yo, let's go get pizza and I'll bring my sour patch kids. Does she like make it at home? She like get a DiGiorno out of the freezer at Giant Eagle and they go, oh, honey, we got to go get Sour Patch Kids. They get get put on post every time I've had them. Just like room temp Sour Patch Kids out the bag on the pizza. I got to try that. I'm so like morbidly curious now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we could probably wrap this up right now. We're at 73 minutes. So I think we've had plenty. We've talked plenty. We've touch base on yeah. most of the things we could have talked more about this or that, but Hey, you know, you can't talk about everything in an hour. No. So, uh, we'll wrap it up on that. And, uh, I guess outro music. Is that how we do this? Mm. Yeah. Thanks for having and me. And that is all folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm looking at the camera. Like it's still on <laughs> Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for being here last minute. Yeah. again. Really appreciate it. Be sure to check out her podcast. Maybe one day you'll catch us on I, for sure yeah show. this is going to be a reciprocal engagement absolutely yeah. but if, if you want to be on my show just come find me on social media i'll evaluate and uh <laughs> see if you're worth talking to now yeah. i'll talk to anybody yeah be sure to keep an eye out for kelly at some shows too yes probably see her around i do not crowd kill so i won't punch you in the face but i might shove you a little <laughs> and i'll be back again next time with another episode same time same place same channel you know the drill my name is sykes start the beat 2019 Woo! Woo! thanks for listening and that is all cool all right that was that was cool like watching it all happen live we did it thanks for having me that was fun you're welcome